0: You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate.
1: And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust.
0: To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to TheOneRelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today.
1: Welcome to The One Relationship. This is Tanner, and I'm here with my lovely wife and co-host, Kate and today uh this is a live episode we are live on the facebook here if you're tuning in uh a little later on the episode on on the podcast we go live every friday uh we don't go live every friday we go live every wednesday (laughs) on facebook at 2 p.m eastern and uh, this airs on the podcast on friday today uh, we want to talk about voting of course of course
0: oh but not the politics kind of voting
1: no we don't want to talk about politics uh because as of the time of this recording we still don't know the outcome of the nation's votes seems like it's very close I'm sure we'll find out at some point. Maybe by the time this episode airs, we will find out. If you are watching us live, uh, let us know where you are tuning in from and who you voted for. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> Please uh, don't do that. No, don't no, but be just dropping let us know where hashtag, you, are. Uh, you know, so and so. Yeah, we already, we, we, already got, we already got the, the rhetoric going here. Right. So uh, let us know where you're tuning in from, uh, what's happening in your world. And we want to talk about voting. And we want to talk about the fact that uh, while there's a lot of energy and literally trillions of dollars spent on this uh, election that we all are, are sort of just witnessing and, and, and coming to an end here, maybe, hopefully, um, you get a choice to vote that actually matters more every day and actually multiple times a day. And those votes are called choices. And we um, really want to talk about this in the context of the fact that you get to vote for your marriage, your relationship, yourself, the things that matter most in your life every day based on your actions. We just got done uh, doing a podcast interview and doing an interview for a a summit that's coming up at the uh, beginning of December around this topic of roommate Syndrome, roommate syndrome, uh, with a guy named Nate Bagley that we've uh, been fortunate enough to connect with, and the the idea I'd, I'd love for anybody that's listening, um, when you hear roommate syndrome, like what do you think of what what comes to mind when um, when you hear roommate syndrome again, especially if you're you know married or or in a committed relationship, have you experienced roommate syndrome? And and I think we identified you know we've been there. Uh, Nate and his wife just had a kid, and, and they've been there, and that's actually why he started off on this quest to talk to people about roommate syndrome. Um, and the greatest way to get out of roommate syndrome is to take action to grow together and to work on yourself. And we view that as voting. Do you, are you going to vote for your marriage, or are you going to vote against your marriage? Every action that you take uh, is a vote for your marriage— or a vote against your marriage,
0: and one of the aspects of this conversation that we had with Nate is recognizing that to uh, vote for your marriage and to enhance your marriage to make sure that you don't go into roommate syndrome is really to um, to recognize that marriage is the the ideal space for personal growth. Right. You grow so much as an individual for who you are to what you, you know, you bring to the table and, and you bring bring to this marriage to your marriage. So, uh, you know, it's why we we say the one relationship. Right. Because we know that uh, improving on yourself, recognizing that you have ownership in your life for where you are, the things that have occurred in your life, like taking ownership of that. And then saying, okay, what's the kind of person I want to be, and who, like, who do I want to be coming into this marriage? And if you may not necessarily love the way things are going, and maybe you're in this roommate syndrome uh, space right now, maybe it's just, maybe it's very argumentative. Maybe uh, there's just silence going on. You know, these various things that can happen within a marriage if you're not working on growing together. The first step is really just looking internally and saying, "Okay, I'm going to take ownership of where I am in this marriage right now, and what what's what what's that first step that I can do to start making some improvements?" And that's the vote for yourself. You're going to improve yourself, and then in turn um, uh, improve your marriage and the relationship that you desire. Because we truly believe that marriage is supposed to be exciting and thriving and uh, that you're cheerleaders for each other and you're best friends with each other. And like marriage should be that. Sure. You're going to have tough times and you're going to have some challenges. And as two different people, you're going to maybe disagree about things. That's okay. That's that's part of just life and, and what happens. But knowing that you're in it together and figuring it out and always working towards more and growth and uh, and and having that excitement in your marriage, like that is all possible uh, with all the fluctuations that can happen.
1: Yeah, and so mm-hmm. Nate gave us a couple of statistics that I think are really, really important. And he was talking about the fact that, you know, in 2019, on average, I know there's exceptions to everything, but on average. Um, people spend about thirty thousand dollars on their wedding, from, you know, the ceremony to the invitation. like everything that goes into a wedding is about thirty thousand dollars. And also on average, uh, divorce cost of somewhere between roughly twenty thousand dollars, fifteen to twenty five thousand dollars. I spent about twenty five thousand dollars on my divorce. and I didn't even have anything to argue over other than, um, the outcome of the custody and, and care of my daughter. So I know that that average and that number is uh, 100% accurate. And so we're willing to spend 25 to 30 grand on the big day and the wedding and our, our commitment to each other. And then we're willing to spend about equally that That's same true. amount of money. On uh, and time, we should we should also talk time. Time goes into planning a marriage. I mean, geez, people usually plan take a year to plan their marriage. Usually it takes, I don't know, I spent the better part of nine months to uh, almost a year trying to unravel my marriage. So you know, you've got a, a year of your life and uh, and and several tens of thousands of dollars wrapped up in getting married and getting unmarried. Yet somehow, in between, uh, when you are married, people... I guess we've just thought that it doesn't take any time or any money to to foster that relationship and to build that relationship. And so it was a really interesting statistic. I love things like that where you can sort of put into context, like, well, how much money are we spending on this? And how much money are this? And, and what is it costing you? I'm a big fan of looking at the cost of doing nothing. And if uh, you think like, well we're we're stable, we're comfortable, I don't want to rock the boat in my marriage. Well, guess what? Your shit's already uh, about to be rocked or going to be rocked or has been rocked because if you're not committed to taking charge of the ship, your ship, your relationship, your marriage, if you're not committed to being the captain of that ship, whether man or woman, Um, in, in the relationship, then the waves around you are going to eventually capsize you because the world is not neutral. There are opposing forces around us all the time, from the media to your friends, to what's happening at work, to raising your kids. There are all of these opposing forces that if you do not vote to bring yourself closer to your spouse... Even if you feel like, oh, it's my spouse's fault or they're not going to do this or you don't understand, um, we all have a responsibility in the outcome of our relationships. And that's what we're talking about in terms of how you vote for your marriage. How do you vote? How do I vote for my marriage?
0: Yeah. Like, what are some of the things that you do... uh... You know, for us and for our marriage that maybe could help our audience to say, hey, this is this is one step in that direction.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think first and foremost, the the uh, background and the purpose of this podcast and the one relationship was the idea that we only have uh, one relationship and it's a relationship with ourselves and however that relationship is. Is how it is what we project out onto all of our other relationships. So I think first and foremost is taking care of myself. I could always be better at that, uh, <clears throat> mentally as much as physically, to um, make sure that I'm not acting out of anger and frustration and and causing arguments. Working on uh, my compassion and understanding, which I think we you know, we touched on in, uh, in the last episode when we talked about the, the disagreement and the division that we had. So I would say step one, working on myself and, and focusing on how, um, I better control my emotions and, and, you know, emotions is a broad topic, so I'll just leave it at emotions. And then two, I think, um, being mindful of things, for you. I think that again, all of these areas we could do better in, Mm -hmm. um, but being mindful Mm -hmm. of the things that you need, being mindful of the things that you don't necessarily, um, (laughs) enjoy or desire. And then, uh, obviously we're in this, this relationship coaching, you know, space and arena, uh, but i'm always looking at other information and different courses and books and things like that to, to bring in new information to give me a different perspective to help me uh, be a better spouse and yeah. a better person.
0: And i would say that taking ownership of where like where we are or where i am in the relationship uh, i don't i don't know that people really do that often enough because we sort of have this common theme in our society that, uh, we're the, we're the victim in it and life is happening to me and it's someone, and we want to point the finger that, you know, Oh, if my spouse would change or, Oh, you know, my coworker did this to me. So taking responsibility of saying, okay, I chose to marry this person. Uh, here's what I'm bringing to the table, good and bad. And, 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 saying, okay, now, again, back to this one relationship, like, what am I going to work on? What am I going to improve on? And then really just working, you know, again, sort of what Tanner has also shared is being mindful of the things that are important to to Tanner, you know, being mindful of if I love this person so, so much, right? I love my husband so, so much. Like, why wouldn't I want to do some of the things that I know are, Are pleasing for him, you know, and that will lift him up and help him to be at his best. Because when your spouse is at their best, then in turn, that trickles back to you that you can be your best and then you're together a better team. So and it's not to say that you have to rely on the other person to be, you know, at your best and, and to make improvements. You should you should be able to do that on yourself first. Um, but I just think it's really uh, something that we sort of get away from of like, well, but I'm the one that's heard and this is happening and I wish this was different and, da, da, da. and it's like, well, why don't I just turn it around and say, let me just do something really beautiful and kind from, from my spouse um, because I know that that would be helpful to, to him and it'll, it, you know, compound effect, we always talk about the compound effect book by Darren Hardy that like over time, that's going to play a positive in the growth of your marriage.
1: Yeah. And it's a, I mean, it's about being of service mm-hmm. and, and I and that can transcend across, you know, pretty much any area in your life. There's a book, uh, The Richest Man in Babylon, that mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I've read it like a couple of times and I didn't really get it. And then i it was even. I don't know, it's been in the last six months to a year that I sort of like had this epiphany and I was like, oh, I get that book. And you're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the richest man in Babylon ends up being the servant is really the 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 point there. And I was like, oh, I get like, I get this thing, you know, from a from a biblical perspective. I'm a uh, I'm a pre-amateur on the Bible, so I um, uh, I was like, okay, I get the point here, and I think that being of service it, it, in your relationship, and I had to do a lot of mental work over the fact of like, well, am I giving to get, right? Am I being of service with, an, with a uh receiving something is, is there an expectation behind the being of service or or being thoughtful or doing something yeah, yeah conditional i think the very tra- i think the very sort of traditional um uh what do you call that stereotype stereotypical thing is like as the husband it's like <clears throat> oh i'm going to buy my wife flowers and bring them home and you know hope i get laid tonight because i bought her flowers and it's like well are you buying the flowers because it's something she would enjoy? Are you buying the flowers just because you have an end in mind? Like, what are you actually doing? Or let's go out on a date. Let's do date night and uh, hoping that it's going to end a certain way or whatever. And it's like, I, I, I <laughs> that's not an effective strategy. And nine times out of ten, it's not how it works out anyway. And then that ends up causing even more resentment and argument. And Mm -hmm. one of the other things we talked about with Nate is unmet uh, and uncommunicated expectations. And when we create expectations in our mind about, well, if I do this, uh, I will get that, or the other partner should be doing this, and then they don't, so I'm upset, all of that stuff is on you yourself in the relationship to take responsibility of what expectations do you have? Have you committed with, have you committed them to your spouse and how are you reconciling things when you feel a disconnect between here's what I expect, here's what I would like to have happen, and here's what's actually happening?
0: Well, and I loved what he pointed out about a lot of times we don't know we have an expectation until it's not met. I swear I had like a light bulb moment. Oh, I, know you it, did. I mean, it was just like, whoa, because it's true. And this is something that Tanner and I have um, continually worked on since we got together uh, from from dating to, to marriage and kids uh, is this, you know, I have expectations of things that I just thought that this is how it would be and recognizing that some of the expectations really were because I didn't know any different, right? Like this was how my upbringing was. This was how, you know, my my example of marriage was. I just didn't think there was anything different. So knowing that now and just having this light bulb moment in this conversation with Nate is recognizing like, okay, uh, this is this is the history that I'm familiar with and here's where the expectation was. And then just coming out and being like, you know what? I totally had an expectation that this was going to be something different. Um, can, can we just talk through this? Right. And then just being I mean, really, it was just um, so it was just a powerful awareness because we we do put expectations on things, whether we do realize it or not. Um, I've come to also recognize that I have expectations of certain things. And and instead of getting upset that they're not being met or it didn't go the way I planned. I've now just been like, well, this is how it was supposed to go. Right. So I've learned to sort of shift the expectations that I am aware of and not to be solely upset about them. Um, if they're not, uh, if they're not met, but also recognizing like, Oh, there's some that I probably don't even realize I'm doing. And now having a way to just communicate back to Tanner and say, Hey, I clearly had an expectation of this, didn't realize it, but um, could we do this differently next time?
1: Yeah. And bringing it back to the the topic here about voting, how you handle those situations is how you vote. Like, are you voting to erode your relationship? Are you just, are you getting closer to paying $20,000 for a divorce and, you know, child <laughs> support for the, the rest of the time that your kids are, you know, under the age of 18 or, are you voting to work on things and figure out like, OK, how do we create a stronger bond here? And I just want to give a couple of, of, I guess, practical examples for people to be able to look at and say, all right, what are some examples of this? Because I think that you vote with your time and your money in everything that you do, everything that you do you vote with your time and your money. The reason that certain companies are still in business is because enough people have voted with their money to keep them in business. And there's a lot of, you know, people that want to sit on the sidelines and say, "Oh, well this this shouldn't happen and that shouldn't be this way and this person did that and that corporation did this and, you know, there's all of this finger pointing, but at the end of the day it's like, well, you vote with your time and your money, and if you don't like something, then don't give it any more attention. Like, spending your time and attention on, on being destructive about things that you don't like is a very poor use of time. So a couple of practical examples I have for you. Uh, you could buy any number of relationship books for about the same cost as a six-pack of beer or a bottle of whiskey or vodka, or a bottle of wine, right? Very simple, practical thing. Like, oh, I'm just going to pick up a six-pack. Oh, I'm just going to sort of take the edge off. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a difficult time dealing with whatever. There's a couple of different ways you can do that. You can numb out and you can <laughs> self-medicate with alcohol or weed or drugs or whatever. Or you could spend the same, likely less amount of money uh, by picking up a book and actually reading some information and taking the time to read some information that could help you shift your mindset around that situation. This podcast is free. There are hundreds of podcasts that are free, that all it takes and all it costs you is your time to go listen to it. Yet the majority of people would still rather put on the radio, and I know this is touching on a sensitive topic because of your history, but you know, listening to the radio and to music and sort of drowning out the thoughts that they have in their mind rather than like, let me go deal with the demons inside because they're going to continue to live in there unless I go face them and maybe listen to some stuff on my 30 minute commute to work to um address what's going on so that's that's just very simply um the a couple of examples another one in the time that you sit on the toilet and scroll social media you could use that time to send a nice text message to your spouse or to whoever you want to strengthen your relationship with you could simply send i mean we use bitmojis Mm -hmm. i think bitmoji is a phenomenal app (laughs) For creating um, sort of connection in the digital age with your spouse, they've got all sorts of little cutesy love you th- mm-hmm. things, and it's your, you know, digital emoji bitmoji version of yourself. Like, send something like that, let them know that you're thinking about them. But for most of us, myself included, you sit on the throne and you pull up like whatever social media or news app or whatever thing. then you end up sitting there way longer than you need to anyway. And literally in that time, <laughs> I don't know how you do that. we've become fascinated with the fact that you could change your marriage from the shitter. <laughs> and we're probably going to write a book and maybe have some other stuff around the fact that like you could change your life and your relationship from the amount of
0: time. <laughs> That you spend on the toilet. I can't sit on the toilet for that long, though. My legs go to sleep. I don't know. Does anyone else have that problem? <laughs> I
1: mean, so do mine. Sometimes that's why, like, I can't even get up. I've sat there so long, and I'm like, oh, now I'm really in a predicament. Uh, I can't walk. I got stuff to do, but I've sort of like, you know, affixed myself to the toilet and and didn't even realize that I was there for 30 minutes, jacked into my phone. So, um it's just a very real example. We all do it. I've seen several posts on social media over the last few weeks around people being like, hey, comment if you're reading this while you're on the toilet or in the amount of time. I don't know, just like funny things of people recognizing. And, and there's a lot of statistics. I forget. I looked this up. I'd have to go back and look. But you know, a vast majority of people that were interviewed in this study say, yes, I use my phone while on the toilet. Uh, I've made phone calls or had calls while I'm on the toilet, like all of these things that we just sort of, uh, uh, can you please call the book, change change your marriage from from the the shitter? I think we just might. Thank you for the encouragement. (laughs) I, I really like, I just, I like catchy titles and I think that is a real thing. I I just think that if you spend a few minutes Consciously going, hey, let me send a message. You don't have to tell them you're on the shitter, or maybe you do, and maybe they know every time that you send them a, a nice message like, Oh, Kate must be pooping again. She just sent me a a bitmoji or a sweet, you know, a sweet message. So um, those are just like, again, a few practical ways, like little ways, little ways. And, and I hate, you know, Brian, Brian Dietz, good friend, Brian Dietz is on here it may or may not still be on, but thanks for tuning in, Brian. Um, and he says, you know, yeah, he just kind of re- reiterated what we said about the cost of marriage and divorce, but not investing in, you know, couples therapy slash counseling. And I just, we did an episode on this a couple weeks ago about, you know, the difference between counseling and counseling. Coaching and then crutches. And um, we, this is something that, you know, we talked to in this interview with Nate that'll be coming out at the end of the month. Uh, We just talked to him about the use of therapy and counseling is really originated and intended to help people work through uh, trauma past situations, like things where your life has become very entangled. You may be holding on to things from the past. You may have experienced trauma in your past that's causing issues in your current life. And quite frankly, that's most of us in some case to some degree. Um, that's a really good use of therapy. And we've shared we have a therapist. We talk to her every week. Sometimes it's you know, just sharing stories and talking about stuff like it was this week. Uh, Sometimes it's really diving into like, hey, we're having friction in this area of our life. Sometimes it's like, hey, we experienced this with one of our coaching clients. Can you give us some insight on on like how to help them from your therapist point of view? So we see and we talk to a therapist every week, um, but she has been, you know, I think, one of the great great values has been working through past trauma. I think we've shared in the past Kate's situation with like the first birth with Charlotte and 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 how we used therapy or how she used therapy to work through that um to have a much different experience with our second child with with David. Uh, there's been things from my past, my parents divorce and even earlier on in childhood that um I've been able to work through and and process and and move through. So therapy is really great for that stuff. Nate's Nate's point was that most people use therapy as just sort of a third party mediator um, because for they're not accountabl- or, yeah well third, but, but a third party mediator. So they can have a conversation without arguing with each other and throwing stuff at each other. You're on like your, they your, may do at home you're,
0: you're more it's a more civil version of you when you have a a third person involved, right? like what behind what happens behind closed doors tends to be more uh, destructive and you wouldn't necessarily have that fight. I mean, for the most, most part, right. I mean, we certainly do have the exception to the rule, but most probably
1: not going to throw a lot of stuff in the, at each other in the therapist office, if that's something you do at home. Right.
0: You know, like it's just, you just, you, you keep it behind closed doors. It's not necessarily what's going to happen in public. So when there's someone else involved, you're on your, your best behavior to, uh, go through The issues that you want to talk, talk about. So you're, you're talking about it. You have a sounding board as you know, with this therapist, um, but you're, you're on your best behavior. And then of course, to have the accountability, like, Hey, let's do this this week. And then you come back for week two and, hey, did you do what we talked about for you to do this past week? And, you know, and then it's just accountability rather than really saying, hey, let's dive into like the root of the problem. You know, you're arguing about, um, it, you know, and I'll just use us as a as an example, like bedtime for us has been a point of contention for uh, pretty much our marriage really and we just look at it bedtime
1: for the children
0: bedtime for the children thank you which in turn then is our bedtime right like when we go to bed so we just have different we have we hold different value to bedtime and what we've uncovered in our therapy is understanding well how was my bedtime as a child how was tanner's bedtime as a child we hold different value to the experience for what we're giving our children now and then in turn for us to be able to end our day, you know, and how we end our day together. And just like working through the fact that, you know, these things that have happened from our youth um, are now carried into our adult life. And then what we're, what we're doing now with our children. So just to be able to say, to, to, recognize where that's coming from. Right. Like, I don't think in our in our disagreements about how bedtime should look for our children I don't think we would ever have been able to figure out on our own where it's stemming from based on what our childhood bedtime looked like and why it is what it is currently. Like, I don't, I really, I mean, do you, like, I don't know that we would have figured that out and understand, okay, here's where sort of the root of all of this is coming from. And then, okay, now as a family, how are we going to, Uh, just find a new way to do it that is pleasing for both of us.
1: Yeah. And I want to be clear that, uh, no, I don't think we would have. However, um, there's not like real trauma around that for either one of us. Right. And so back to the point with, with, you know, what Nate's saying is therapists go to school and spend a lot of money to be trained in helping people work through trauma And systematically address some very, you know, deep and challenging issues that, again, many of us experience as as humans. Um, But there's a barrier. The idea of therapy and your marriage, there there becomes a big barrier. Oh, we got to go to therapy. Oh, that means something's wrong with our marriage. Oh, you know, like all of a sudden, there's all this stigma. There's all this energy and what it means to go to therapy. And then once you do go to therapy, you end up going in there just so you can have a civilized conversation with your spouse, which is not the most effective use for therapy. And so the point was, and I'm just sort of riffing off of Brian's comment is like, the other thing we talked to Nate about is there are many different ways to invest in improving your marriage. Again, you don't have to be on your deathbed to get um, healthier. You don't have to even be sick to get healthier. You don't have to have cancer Um, to want to be able to strengthen your body and, and feel better. And so the same thing goes for your relationship. You don't have to be on the brink of divorce to go to therapy. Unfortunately, most people don't proactively take action in their marriage, and they wait until it gets to a point where it feels like they're on the brink of divorce, and then they sort of throw a Hail Mary, hoping that, well, if we go to this counselor and we just pay for counseling for a few sessions, it's either gonna fix us up, or or we're just then we're gonna know that uh, you know that that we're not meant to be for each other. And and Nate and and us, uh, what we have in common is that we're producing things for couples and individuals to help them be proactive and to help them actually uh, take the initiative and to vote. For themselves and their marriage by doing things proactive, by learning and growing and experiencing different types of experiences that will allow you to grow with your spouse and individually.
0: It's like preventative care, right? Like take care of your body before you get sick and have to go to the doctor. Take care of your marriage before you're at this breaking point and you're like you know, throwing the Hail Mary, right? Like you, you want you want to see it as preventative. What are you gonna do? What are the things that you can do to start having just a, a a a like a a thought process with your spouse about growth, moving forward, growing together, deepening your connection, learning how to have better communication. I mean, we're huge proponents. Of communication we know how important that is in any relationship but of course you know we're talking about your marriage you've got to have good communication and if that is not a strong suit for you right now which you know we've heard from so many of you from you know just at the beginning of starting this podcast uh, of how much that is a big topic and a struggle for many people and the first step is just coming to be like hey like I just want to deepen our connection because we're we're really just we're in this roommate syndrome or we're just arguing too much or uh, we're not really talking to each other other than the schedule or the kids schedule like I love you and I want to come back to just having more connection with you. Just that simple statement is a way to communicate with your spouse to say, hey, can can we just work on finding some new ways to improve how we're how we're being together as a couple and um yeah I mean we we're just huge proponents of that growth knowing that it is preventative care for your marriage because we've we've seen how many I mean we know now so many people, where they're, you know, 25 into, 25 years into their marriage, the kids have now gone, you know, moved out of the house, they're done with college, whatever, and they're moving on with their own lives. And now the couple is sitting there, being like, "I don't even know who I'm married to. I don't know what we're doing. Like, what do we have in common?" And they're getting divorced. You know, so we we know a lot of people have gotten divorced after 25 years of marriage when the kids are out of the house. Like, we don't want that for you. We know that marriage takes work and there's effort. But you married this person for a reason. I believe that there was some, you know, there's some love in there, even though you may feel really, really far apart. And let's bring you back to that. Let's just keep working on bringing you back to that so that you have a way to move forward and and stay close and strong together.
1: Your vote matters.
0: Your vote does matter every
1: day. It's it's more important than once every four years. And there's no media news outlet that's going to tell you about it. Unfortunately, uh, what's dominated sort of the media and the relationship space is um divorce and and you know bashing the other spouse, and oh, look at the next you know a- allegation about this person or that person, and and so we've just gotten so locked up as a society about talking about our relationships and the idea. That, uh, oh, well, if, we're, if, we get, if we get help, that means we're having troubles and then people are going to talk about us and blah, blah. I mean, just so much baggage around freaking working on yourself and uh, your divorce. And we're, just, we're here to say um, if you don't do something proactive and if you don't work on it, we can predict the outcome. Maybe it's not divorce. The divorce statistics are actually down. People want to tell you that divorce is on the rise. Divorce is actually, the statistics are down. um, But so is marriage. So is marriage, and so is um, the level of happiness, the level of contentment people feel in their life and their marriage. So while divorce rates officially may be declining, apathy, depression, anxiety, anxiety, infidelity, I say, porn infidel- addiction, all of these other things that are a result of you not actually having a strong marriage are on the rise.
0: And just a, a, a slight add-on to that with the infidelity, that is now glorified. Mm-hmm. If you look at the shows that you're watching, if you look at the political people we're paying attention to like it's glorified. It's okay. This is what happens. Oh, but I have feelings. Oh, this person isn't giving me what I want, so I'm going to go get it somewhere else. Like, no, you committed to each other and you took a vow to do this in good times and bad. And sorry, like it's just uh yeah, it's really sad that that's that that's sort of what's the norm and we're not we're we're not uh uh disturbed by what we're seeing. In media and in you know just just this public eye um, and the, and this public arena like that having an affair is as an okay thing to do because I wasn't getting what I wanted from from home so just yeah there's and and the depression and anxiety level is um, skyrocketing it's it, that's almost that's almost just glorified as well it's like oh well you know here everyone suffers from depression and anxiety so you know what? I'm going to be depressed pop 1
1: pop 2. I'm going to be depressed and anxious as
0: well, you know? Like 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 it's a thing that uh that you can you can you can collectively be a part of. And I'm not saying that depression and anxiety isn't a real thing. Uh I went through it as well. I also know that my depression was very circumstantial. This wasn't a clinical thing, and I think there's a I think there's a difference and I would re- I would I would challenge you if you're suffering from depression And anxiety, I will challenge you to look at where it's coming from and is it really a chemical imbalance or is it because your life isn't the way you want it to be and isn't part of the expectations that you have of your life? Because I 100% believe a good amount of cases are because you're not peaceful in the life that you have right now. And Mm. that's why... That's why the depression and anxiety are coming up. So not to say that there isn't mental health issues going on. And there is uh, certainly people where there is like a chemical thing that's happening. But I would put money down that it's most cases are coming from that you are not at peace with your life. And that's where the depression and anxiety are coming from. So and if that's the case and and you can make that awareness, then say, I vote to change that. I vote to take care of myself and find a way to overcome that and then to be able to say, great, now I'm making myself better and then I will make my marriage better and I will make my family better and ultimately that will make... You know our our communities better and our, our society. So anyway, I just went on a little tangent, but kind of felt a little passionate about that. So That's what
1: we're here about. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. And until next time, we'll see you later. We're Kate and Tanner.
0: Thanks, Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now, and we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free
1: marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the contact us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more Real Talk on The One Relationship.